0: OK, so I'm going to be preaching from John 11. And so if you guys could open your Bibles or open your uh, Bible apps and just keep it open. Uh, this passage is quite long. But I'm going to be kind of reading through the passage and touching upon certain points of, uh, throughout, uh, throughout. OK, so it comes from John 11. Um, this is the famous passage of the death of Lazarus. And I know that um, Caleb has been preaching through John, and I thought he had, he probably preached on this a couple months ago, but it kind of felt like this was a good passage for us to go into today. So if you guys have your Bibles open, uh, I'm going to be reading from the ESV, uh, but please feel, uh, follow along whatever version that you have. So from John 11, now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Okay, we're going to stop right here. Um, So uh, they sent a messenger to Jesus. And this is actually the first time in, in the Gospels where Someone is talked about as someone who is loved. So the Apostle John is often talked about, oh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But this is actually the first time where uh, the scriptures are saying, he whom you love, dot, dot, dot. And so here we can see that uh, Jesus is close friends with Lazarus. And Mary and Martha thought it was natural. Hey, Jesus, this friend, your friend, he's sick. And we've seen you heal a bunch of people, and so automatically they expect that, oh, he's definitely going to come and meet the needs uh, that we have. Now this is funny, they don't even say in the script, they don't say here, uh, please come, leave what you're doing and come. All they say is, he whom you love is ill. And you can tell that there's a certain closest here because, you know, um, I've been married almost 10 years. And so with Caleb, sometimes I don't say like, hey, can you do this for me? I just say, hey, Han, I'm thirsty. And I just pause. (laughs) And then Caleb, a minute later, he's like, here love, here's my water. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Sometimes I don't present my request, I just present my need. And I'm like, oh, Caleb's a good man and he's a a man of service. And so he just kind of presents this to me. And this is what happens. He's like, hey, he who you love is ill, that's it. Okay, so let's go to uh, verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Okay, we're going to stop here. So he's presented through this messenger. Okay, this friend, your beloved friend, is ill. And so Jesus hears this and he he states what's gonna happen. He's like, Oh, don't worry, i woman. <laughs> he's not gonna die. This is all for the glory of God, so that I may be glorified through it. Okay, and then verse five reiterates. Now it doesn't say he loves the family, it talks he gives the individuals, he's like, I love Martha, busy Martha, and I love Mary, and I also love Lazarus. He's giving them individual attention of his love. But then it says, when he heard this, he stayed two more days. You know, in the natural, you think, like, man, you know, you watch those, like, uh, does anybody like those romantic comedies? Anybody? Is it just me? <laughs> Cause you know, when I wanna wind down on like a busy day, I, I get in my bed and I turn on the Netflix and I wanna watch a romantic comedy. And I'm always like, Oh can't let's watch He's like, No, I am not watching that. On, watch. It's a manipulation of emotions, I like to watch that, that's what he always says. But when I watch these beloved romantic comedies, the true sign of love is when the girl is in trouble. You know, Superman, he takes off his like you know glasses and he puts on his cape and he goes right away. And to us we think like, Man, When I'm in trouble, the first sign of love is to do it immediately and right away. But here it talks about Jesus is like, oh, I love them. I love each of them. And then he waits. Not just one day, but two days. And, you know, we're looking at the scripture and we're thinking like, oh, two days, like, it's not that long. But when you're waiting for somebody and you're waiting for your miracle, two days is a long time. To be sitting, like, oh, what's he doing? Did the messenger get through? Did the guy get robbed? Where is Jesus? He could technically teleport over here. And its he's just waiting two days where he was. Uh, let's continue. Verse 7. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going to go there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days and an hour? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. When I go to awaken him. Okay, we'll stop right here. So this is kind of like random, right? So he's saying, okay, he waits, he finds out, he waits two days, and then he tells his disciples, hey, we're gonna go back to Judea. And Judea was like the hotspot of persecution, because it's like every time he went there, people were trying to stone him or do these different things to him. And so, and the disciples are bringing this like, need. they're like, oh, you're gonna be in danger, Rabbi. He he talks like, oh, are they not twelve days in an hour? I feel like as a disciple, we're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He's always bringing up these parables. Jesus is just giving a figurative way here to speak about the time. He's like, God's given us the time allotted for these earthly works. And so as we go back, there is enough time for everything that needs to be done. It's going to be okay. Okay, and he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciple said to him, Lord... If he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus, in verse 13, had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Okay, so we learn here that oftentimes uh, God can do things in... Anyway, he didn't actually have to be there. He could have just, you know what that, what's that, uh, one leader where he's like, oh, my daughter's that sick. And he's like, your faith has healed her. And so I think his name was Jairus, right? So here, that, that's a place where Jesus doesn't actually go to the place, but with his word and with this guy's faith, she's completely healed. But here, he's saying, oh, I'm actually glad that this happened, that he's going to die, because for your sake, you may believe Okay, oftentimes we learn that God will permit us to pass through kind of dark times and deeper mysteries of pain in order that he may prove his perfect power through that situation and through that time. Uh, let's continue. So verse 16, so Thomas called the twins to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So this verse, this is Thomas the doubter. Right? So because everyone in scripture when you hear Thomas, you're like, oh that's a dude that doubted. He didn't think that Jesus actually died and he had to touch his hand here. But I like I reread this and I was like, Oh wait a second. This is Thomas a doubter. But here it's like God, you know, he's giving a little redemption here. Because Thomas is he's called the twin because a lot of people thought that he looked like Jesus. And so if he looks like Jesus, then he, he's, then he might get persecuted. So here he's saying, it's okay, we're going to go with him so that we can die with him. Okay, so here, he's kind of being redeemed here. <laughs> he's like not the doubting Thomas, but here he's showing his faith. Okay, let's I'll continue to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him, but Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Okay, we'll stop here. I like this, you know, part because, you know, Martha wasn't shy to actually tell her actual feelings uh, to the Lord. She, she's discouraged. She's like, why weren't you here? We said for you two, like three days ago, why are not you been here? If you were here, he wouldn't have died. Martha questioned Jesus here. But something that um, we don't know about the times here is that back then, the religious rabbis, they didn't ever give spiritual nurturing to women. It was only men. And it was men that they had chosen. And these students would follow the rabbi. And he would only teach them. It wasn't even like random, like fishermen or like people of like, you know, quote, unquote, lower class He wouldn't teach. But here, Jesus is starting to nurture her spiritually. He's speaking into her life. And also, uh, rabbis didn't talk to women publicly. So when Jesus came into the city, Martha goes out and she's talking to him. She's questioning him. So Jesus is... Going against two norms of the time. One, he's speaking publicly to a woman. And two, he's actually speaking to her about spiritual things. So this is really like, really crazy for the people back in the time. Uh, Let's go to verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So here, uh, God's giving her the question. He's like, hey, this situation, I am the resurrection and life. And in the, in the book of John is where all the I am famous, I am the bread of life, I am the open gate. And here, in this situation, she's saying, he's giving her, I am the resurrection. If you believe in me, I can take care of all things. Do you believe this? Uh, the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon shows us, uh, has a quote that it is clear that Martha derived very little consolation from the fact of a distant and general resurrection. Okay, what she wanted was an immediate resurrection and life to come near home and for her to become more a present fact to her. And so we continue on here. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Okay, in other, in other uh, translations, it says you are the Messiah. The son of God was coming into the world. Uh, I, I want to stop here because this is a very significant. Because in all the Gospels and all the Scriptures, this is the only time where someone puts the word Messiah, so the anointing one, the Christ, and the Son of God into one sentence. And so Martha's really giving a, a vast like a statement of faith here. She's like, I-, I believe you, God. You're not only the Son of God, but you're the Messiah. And so I think this is awesome again because Martha's always like, oh, Martha's too busy. And she's like, Too busy, she should be like Mary, but here there's like a redeeming aspect where John's showing, wow, Martha did exemplify that faith. Uh, Let us continue with uh, verse 28. So when she had said this, she went and called to her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. And I want to pause here. So uh, the verse 1135, Jesus wept, is like a famous verse because it's really short. <laughs> It's the shortest verse in all scripture. And so even when I was like a young girl and I was like trying to, you know, my Bible study teachers was like, oh, please choose a passage to uh, memorize. I'm like, I have one. I'm going to do Jesus wept because I was always kind of a little bit of a smart egg, right? But this this verse is so powerful because oftentimes, you know, we think in the larger picture of things. We're like, hey, like, you know, we knew that Jesus knew that he was going to heal Lazarus that he was going to raise him from the dead but jesus takes his time to meet in her pain and to see like oh my goodness like my my close friends are in so much pain because they have no idea what's going to happen and so this is so powerful i think in showing god's compassion and his ability to stay present with us and i think it's something that we can all learn here as people of god because, you know, oftentimes, you know, sometimes I, I'm guilty of the same thing. Like when people come up to me for prayer or can you pray for this and uh, I'm praying for that. And, and, and it's like, hey, just have faith and believe and God will. And, you know, we're taught that we have to only believe and have perfect faith. But really to be like Jesus here is to be and sit in the pain with the people and just kind of be. It's, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Like when people cry. My husband hates it when I cry because he just like when we first got married I would just cry and he just oh. he you feel so uncomfortable because there's nothing that you can do and I'm like you don't have to and I was like, you don't have to like give me a you don't have to tell me just sit here with me. And for men that's like torture. <laughs> sit here with you and don't give a solution or a plan and do what? But it's really in the sitting of the pain where Jesus, he stays with us in our grief. He stays with us in our sadness. And he stays with us and just, he's there with us and he also weeps. I think that's so powerful to know that when we're going through difficult situations, that God's not just aloof and he's not just like, don't worry, I got you. It's gonna be—it's a time for a miracle, but his heart is moved to compassion. Uh, have any of you guys uh, watched the uh, the multi-series called The Chosen? Raise your hand. Oh, did you start? Anybody else? Oh, I our you have, i recommend it because one, it's free, and uh, you can watch it on your app. But it's like—it's so—it's so good because they have like such a good portrayal of jesus as a man and they have such good casting and so i have watched the chosen when it first came out but i watched it um, during passion week this time around and i was watching it and i was like watching it for months i cried jesus you're so kind and the person that plays jesus has like the most kind eyes that even when he's like you know He's, like, talking to different people who, like, don't believe in him or they're questioning him. It's like he still portrays that kindness and that compassion. It's so good. I highly recommend it, okay? It's called The Chosen. Okay, we're going to continue. Ah, okay, so we're on verse 37. But some of them said, this is the Jews that are following, okay? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Okay, we're going to stop here. This is like the voice of the haters, right? They're like, man, look at, look at Jesus. He healed the blind people. He, he, he could have prevented all this. And I feel like this is the perfect picture of the accusing voice of the enemy when we're going through our own hardship. Hey, God could have kept that painful thing from happening in your lives. Did that person have to betray you? Did they have to talk behind your back? Did this person have to go through the sickness? And the accusing voice of the enemy is exactly like this one. Hey, what about your friend? Isn't your friend the one? Didn't they just get a breakthrough in the things that you've been praying for for the past couple years? How come that's not, that hasn't happened to you yet? You know, like when Caleb and I got married, we were starting the process of we, we knew we wanted to get married. We had so much opposition from my mom. And she was like dead set that like that's not your husband, like God has someone better for you. And so, you know, we really, I got really skinny at that time because we were fasting and praying twice a week. We were like believing and contending. And our, our best friends at the time also got engaged, but their engagement was so easy and happy and joyous. <laughs> even i had the temptation to be like lord why 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 is it so easy for them and how well, how can you you're doing this why aren't you doing that for me but you know looking back i realized it was like a, a big training time for caleb and i as we were starting to get into ministry but there was that temptation to be like why is it so easy for them and why is it so difficult for me i feel like this is like a, a a really easy way for the enemy to come in because trying to get you to compare your situation with somebody else when God has ordained plans for each of us specifically to know the timing and the glory of God. Alright, let's go to verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. OK, we're going to stop here. Now, four days is significant because in the Jewish culture, they had this superstition that the soul mm-hmm, like remained around the body for three days. OK, obviously, it wasn't true. But it was a wild-cut superstition that for three days, that it could be possible that the soul could go into the body. So that's why Jesus waited. (laughs) Because it had to be four days. It had to be clear. All hope is gone, Okay, Nothing is going to be changed. It's irrevocable. It cannot be reversed. It can't be recovered. It's like a completely hopeless situation. And I wanna ask you guys today, what is your Lazarus? What's the situation in your life, or is it a person, is it a relationship? What's something where you've been praying and all hope is gone, and you think, surely this relationship can't reconcile. It can't be recovered. It's not going to be restored. Where is it in your life where all hope is gone? Uh, let's go to verse 40. Jesus said to her, "Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. That they may believe that you sent me when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice lazarus come out the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth jesus said to him unbind him and let him go now if you think about it, it's kind of funny he's like why does jesus have to tell them to get rid of it because you're thinking like people are probably so shocked they're just like <gasps> And just staring. He's like, hey guys, come on. Unwrap him. Let him go. I think he gives them that kind of last command to go. Because people are so shocked at the miracle. Okay, verse 45 said, Many of the Jews therefore who had come with Mary had seen what he did and believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. okay. This last part just shows you that there can be these huge miracles that God does, supernatural things that God's waiting for to do in your life. And for most, it will produce a faith, a faith that, wow, Jesus is the Christ, and Jesus is the Messiah. But just like some of the Jewish people here that went to the Pharisees, be like, oh, there's something wrong here. There will still be people who, when you share the testimony of God, won't believe and won't understand what he has done. Now, you know, back in the Jewish culture, um, to name somebody or to name a place was to define it, right? So when they named a person or a place, it was intended to capture one's personality. Uh, There's a guy named Rabbi Yaakovin. He said that we believe that the times a person is born into, and the person himself are interrelated. The times one is born into and events that occur are connected to the soul that comes into the world. So here, in Jewish culture, names are very important, right? And so the name Lazarus, what that means is God has helped. So this is like, it's a past tense and it's already done. And I think it's so powerful that when Lazarus' mom and dad named him God has helped, it was like a prophecy going into the future to this very situation where God would resurrect him back from the dead. Now, it's really powerful because uh, in different parts of the, the Old Testament, you see that there's also a renaming that happens, right? So for Abraham, he was, after the covenant was made, he was renamed, sorry, it was Abram was renamed Abraham, and that means the father of a multitude of nations. And Jacob was renamed Israel, God shall fight. And the name can then become a prophecy of what's about to come. So I want to ask you guys today, what is your Lazarus? In situations where you thought were really dead, just have absolutely no hope, the name of his name is God has helped. And that God surely is a time, is someone... Who's planned and ordained these things for you to overcome and to have victory in that area? You know, I usually I know Caleb shares a lot about different parts of his testimony, but what I kind of felt led to share about was kind of our journey into you know why we planted here in Busan in the first place. And so we came down, uh, we all moved from Seoul, uh, January 2012 to plant planned the church here with uh, eight other leaders. So it 10 of us. But in 2011, so about six months prior, eight months prior, Caleb and I had prayed. And we both agreed that God was leading us to be a part of the church plan. And so we, we joined and we were going to be part of the church plan team. But at the time, Caleb was not the pastor. And so we had another friend named Yongma who had gone to seminary. She was ordained. Her hometown is Busan. And so for all of us, she was going to be the pastor, and we were just coming on as leaders <laughs> of the church plan. Right? And so we we're all kind of training together, meeting, and you know, having Bible study, praying and fasting for different things in the city. And, and one day, um, so we moved like, what, January, right? So in July, Caleb and I were missions team leaders to different nations. I went to Malaysia, and Caleb went to Bangladesh. And so when we came back, I was kind of pondering some things, you know, the time that, you know, we had had as leaders apart from each other in in our different countries and the things that God was showing us. And then I just was like, I just had this thought, and I was like, I think they're going to make Caleb the pastor of the church. Like, I just had this, like, thought, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) And so, you know, maybe the nice... A girlfriend girlfriends, last engaged person i'll start doing these things where i'll like you know i'll cut fruit and in korean culture like the pastor's wives like are really good at cutting fruit because they like have hospitality so i'll cut fruit and i'll be like oh look at me i'm such a great pastor's wife already look at my fruit looks so flawless and caleb would be like okay because I knew from years ago, because Caleb and I were close friends, that I could see the full-time call in his life. But he, he's a little, um, what's the word, like slow, <laughs> slow to change, slow to adapt. And so, even as friends, I'll be like, "Hey, do you think you have a, a call to full-time ministry?" he be like, "No." And he was getting ready to go to cooking school. Well, In the back of my mind, I was like, "Well, he's gonna, he, he's definitely has a full-time call." So. I was getting ready uh, to go visit my family in Japan, but I left my passport at home, right? So I'm like, oh, we're on our way to the airport, and then he dropped me off, and then it was an accident, and I say this because I can be very clumsy, it was an accident, and so Caleb was supposed to drive me to the airport, but because I forgot my passport, I just decided to go by myself. And so that day, Caleb went to go to our Itaewon church, and he went to go pick up our guest speakers, right? So he went to the church. And as soon as he walked in, he, like, saw the service. And they were like, okay, we're going to have an altar call. We feel like the Holy Spirit is leading that if you feel like you're in a full-time ministry altar call, come to the front. And Caleb said that he felt this, like, oh, I need to go. I, that's me. I need to go to the front. So that was his first time to actually had the idea that he was going to be a full-time ministry. But he was like, No, 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 I'll go next time. But he just kept felt, feeling this prompting. And so finally he starts walking to to the stage and he says that on the corner of his eye he saw the guest speaker come. And then the guy like laid his hands on him and he said like the power of God came on him. Now Caleb is like not a skinny dude. He's like he's like 200 pounds maybe. And so <laughs> I say this not to call him out, but just to, to show. He said that like when he got prayed, he said he felt like the power of God hit him and he flew back. Right? And he just was crying and crying. And I was like, I'll, he's like telling me about this experience while I'm in Japan and I'm just laughing so hard. Because that had never happened to Kayla before. And I had all these things in my mind, but it was like God was orchestrating these things in his timing. And in his way, and Caleb told me why he was like when I woke up, like when I came out of that, he's like I felt like a new person. And he was like, There was these insecurities that I had as a leader that were like kinda of, like nab at me, and he's like, after that experience, that he woke up he didn't have that anymore. he was like he always felt like he was acting like a leader or he needed to act in a certain way, but after he had that power experience with God, it just he said he just woke up, he came out different. Like those insecurities and all of that, things were all broken off. And so that happened, and very shortly after, our lead pastor was like, I was praying, and I feel like actually myung needs to stay in Seoul, and I think Caleb needs to go as campus pastor. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, and so knowing me, I'm just like very type A, like I'm like the type that I have my color-coordinated planner, with all my little things and songs like oh so in order for you to be a pastor like you should read this book and I was like but Caleb's not like that like he's not like a reader and so I was just like oh what are you what's going on what are you doing and he had never even preached before he came here. We moved and then a month later we went up for a preaching like seminar and like training and Caleb did like an awesome job. Like there was an anointing there was like clarity for him to preach and I was like, and then a couple months later, we started the church club, right? And we started gathering people. A lot of people started coming. We were going in all different parts of, you know, we met at a bar, we met at like a hotel, we met at a Chinese restaurant. And then we finally landed in our sanctuary space. And things were really good. We are building a good community of people, a good community of leaders. A lot of people's lives were being transformed by the word of God and the power of the spirit. And then 2018 came, and that year for Caleb and I, for two years, was a really rough two years uh, because of you know different things were happening in our church and different things we didn't feel quite aligned with. And in 2018, our lead pastors were removed from their position, and so here we are as a movement, as a church, and we've seen all this momentum. We're seeing all this revival. We're seeing people's lives transform. And then it's like all this stuff hits us, and we're like, oh, a lot of people end up leaving. Several campuses closed down. And then Caleb Caleb and I are here. We feel called to stay. But then in 2018, there was a lot of drama that happened in our campus as well. (laughs) You can just ask older people that have been around. And it got to the point where even some people were like, oh, Caleb's not fit to leave because he doesn't have a seminary degree, and etc. And so, regarding his seminary degree, it's something that we had been praying for since 2011. We were engaged. But we saw absolutely no movement because Caleb can't go back to the States. And every time we tried getting the ball rolling, it was closed doors, closed doors. Like, we knew people at the school. They contacted them, we had pastors who contacted school and nothing happened. But last year, it's just like the breakthrough came all of a sudden. It was just like, oh, okay, here's your degree, here's your transcript. And it's like years of years of us trying in God's perfect timing, in God's perfect way. God opened the door and it happened within a month where bam, 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 he got his transcript, things that we've been asking for. And so just like this, Lazarus things it was God was waiting for my planning to die for Caleb's plan, all the things for him to be able to open the door and for him to do it in supernatural timing and I want to encourage you guys that oftentimes we feel like God doesn't love us because he's waiting for these things to die in our lives but it's in that very time where God will in his timing Resurrect things. Okay, can we have Tiffany come up? Let's just have a time of prayer and a time of reflection where we can ask the Holy Spirit to start stirring in our hearts what areas of our life and what things have we been holding on to uh, that he's waiting for us to release over to him. But for some of us, it's relationships, uh, betrayal that we have gone through. We're waiting for reconciliation. Some of us are waiting, we're waiting for marriage. Others, it's life callings and things that you've had prophesied over you or you believe that uh, you were going to do for the Lord. That seems like it's taking so long. Uh, let's just take this time to just kind of reflect and pray and ask the Lord for him to speak to give fresh hope and life into it again. Let's take this time to just pray together.